Good morning. This is attorney Vince Davis, and this is the show, Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives, or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. It's March the 4th, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. It's a beautiful day here in Southern California, a little cloudy, uh, and I hear that we're supposed to have rain tomorrow. Uh, today's show, we're going to be talking about a number of topics. Um, I've gotten a lot of requests to kind of expand the show from uh, giving information just on defending yourself in the juvenile court or getting your children placed with relatives in the juvenile court to expanding it to civil rights lawsuits against social workers in counties. Um, as you know, in a lot of cases, uh, there are instances where uh, parents and or their children um, can bring a lawsuit against a social worker who uh, has violated uh, the civil rights of the family. Uh, typically, that occurs when a child is injured in foster care uh, or uh, children are removed from parents without the necessary uh, uh, court order or warrant or where they were removed with a warrant or court order, but the application by the social worker was untruthful. And usually the general, the third general area where um, social workers are sued are, is where they um, tell basically when they lie in social worker reports. Um, some of you may have known from the news that there were, I think, four social workers um, from Los Angeles County who were being criminally prosecuted uh, by the district attorney's office in uh, state court in uh, downtown Los Angeles because they had been accused of uh, lying in social worker reports under penalty of perjury to juvenile court judges uh, in Monterey Park. And um, I'm not I'm not sure the status of this case. I had heard a rumor that uh, the case was over and that they had been sentenced. Uh, but I, I don't know that to be true or not true. I should probably do some research because I really wanted to know what had happened in that case. Um, so we'll be talking about defending yourself in juvenile court, getting your children to relatives, uh, you know, out of foster care, and um, getting uh, or and suing social workers in uh, federal court uh, for civil rights violations. Uh, today at the half hour at uh, 8.30, um, we're scheduled to have a special guest, an attorney that I work with, who's probably the best attorney in my office. A lot of people think it's me. It's not. Her name is Stephanie Davis. Um, no, there's no relationship uh, between Stephanie Davis and Vince Davis, uh, although many years ago we were married. We were we were married. We went to law school together. We subsequently got divorced and you know got married and uh, had children with other people. And we currently work together, although that that may soon be ending. Uh, she's worked for me the past several years, or worked with me for the past several years. Uh, she may be going back on the bench as a commissioner uh, in the Los Angeles Superior Court system. Um, I think she's number 12 on the list to be appointed back to the bench. She spent 16 or 17 years uh, as a uh, temporary judge in juvenile court. Um, and then she left because of the financial crisis that hit about five or six years ago, seems like. And she's been working with me since, uh, but she's uh, ready to go back on the bench. So hopefully she'll be calling in at 8.30, and we'll be talking about d different things. Stephanie is an expert trial attorney, and, is she, and she's a very well-known expert 
and appellate law, especially juvenile dependency appellate law in California. Uh, before I go on and, and talk and talk, I see that we have a number of calls of people that have been waiting. So I'm going to take the first call um, from area code 562, ending in 48. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. Vincent David. Good morning. Did you yes, have a story is, to tell? Good morning. Question asked. Uh, quick story. I'm not going to take up too much time. This is Daniel from Long Beach. And I, I had a case going, which thanks to you guys, it was closed in my daughter's home. It went on for like two and a half years. Uh, what my concerns are now is the juvenile dependency court left the mother's um, rights in place where she still gets visitation. She's uh, been in prison, but now she's in a recovery place. And... Um, I'd like to have her rights terminated. I did visits with her and her grandma and, you know, their people. And every time that I went to a visit, they'd call CPS and start making false allegations about me. And just, it, it turned into a nightmare. And so I'm at the point now where I'm burned out from doing all that. This is a, a serious substance abuser. The grandmother is a pathological liar so i have a court date on the 27th of this month this is now three years later i'd like this whole thing to be ended i wish they were good people i wouldn't mind my daughter visiting with them she's terrified of them she um has had a lot of pro emotional and mental problems i have her in therapy right now they said it'll take up to a year for her, and I'm just looking out for her best interest. I want to make sure she has a good childhood, and I'm just exhausted and uh, stressed about this whole thing continuing on and on. At one point, children's services were going to terminate the mother's rights, but they did not do that. They kept it going. Now, the mother and the grandmother, here we are three years later, still do not get unmonitored visits. <clears throat> They've done things to her. Um, I did visitation for over a year. They gave her Benadryl. Uh, they smoked drugs around her. The, the numerous things. I don't want to go on and on and on. I have it all documented. So I don't know if I should write the judge a letter and send the documentation or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get you guys to help me on this. It's a field that I'm I'm just, I'm mixed up about, and I really don't want to deal with it, but I have to, you know, like I said, I went to court for almost three years, so um, it's very, very stressful that the whole thing's done. My daughter's home with me. She's got a good home, but this chapter is still open, and um, I don't know what to say at this time, but anyway, I want to thank you for everything you've done in the past, and I'm sure you're going to help me in the future with this, and I just I want to get it over with, and move on with our lives. Daniel, I understand your concern. Uh, we definitely can help you with that situation. What I want you to do is I want you to call the office today. Um, there's a okay. skeleton crew working today. And I want you to make an appointment to come see me on Tuesday or Wednesday. So um, let me give you okay. the number. Well, you have the number, don't you? You have the number. Give me a yeah, call yeah. and we'll meet. Yes, sir. And we'll talk more about this situation. Thank you for calling this morning. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay, that sounds it. great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Daniel has a has a an interesting interesting case. Um he was about to lose his child to adoption and um he he called us and and uh through grace of God, we were able to get his child back to him, and uh, he's still having ongoing problems uh, with the maternal side of the family. A uh, very interesting case uh, that he has and things that he's been through. Um, I'm going to take the next call from area code 626, ending in 3-4. Good morning. You're on with Hello. Attorney Vince Davis. Good morning. Hi. Do you have a story um, to tell or a question or a question to ask? 
Yeah. Um, yes, I did. Uh, I was like a lot of parents, you know, I'm very uh, well educated and, you know, I, you know, when you hear someone gets their kid taken away from CPS, you are very judgmental and you think, oh, well that, you know, that parent must have been a crappy parent. But when you're actually in it, you see the insight of how these people are just really good storytellers and how much money they make off, you know, the system. I remember um, my kids were taken from me over a year ago, just to make it short. Um, due to the fact I have an extra circuit in my heart and my husband, and I am legally still married, um, he try, uh, he was kicked out of the house a month prior to all this happening due to the fact I seen that he had an addiction problem. Well, a month later, I guess all the stress or whatever it was, I had um, signs of a mini stroke and I lived in the mountains in San Bernardino County. I called um, 911 to come help me out, and they um, called the cops also, which I don't know why, and suggested I go in the ambulance. I did ask if I could take my kids in the ambulance. They said they couldn't do that. So the cop did tell me, Twin Peaks cop, did tell me that he would um, stay there with my kids um, so I could go in the ambulance to make sure I'm going to be okay, and he would call family as much as it took to call family so we can get the kids with family. Well, that didn't happen. He did call me in the hospital and told me, well, I was a great parent. Um, you know, I, my kids were well-dressed, and I'm doing a good job. and want to see if I was okay. But later, when I got out of the hospital and I was released, um, I come out and didn't even know where my kids were for two hours. I called the police station. I called everywhere. I got the runaround. Um, uh, I got a phone call, maybe two and a half hours later saying, oh, we got your kids. This is CPS and we're holding them. Didn't tell me what I did wrong just to tell me they will get back to me with a court date. Go to court. I look at what they're accusing me of, dirty hair, dirty feet. Well, of course they're going to have dirty feet. The cop was watching my kids and I have a balcony. Dirty hair. I take my kids a bath every day. And then I also got allegations that I'm a drug, a history of drug abuse. Um, I'm sorry, I've never used drugs my entire life as I have a degree in engineering. I used to work for Boeing. So it's like these people just, if they, if they have a vendetta from the beginning, if they don't like how you look or anything, they will make up all these stories in your court reports. And I don't know how that holds in court. It doesn't make any sense. You know, how do you say someone has a history of drug abuse when <laughs> there is no history? Where, where do you get this? Where do you pull it out of? So <clears throat> these people are very vindictive, and I, I think I'm, I'm hoping someone can fix this system because it's horrible how it's ran. Um, I actually had a CPS worker that was on my case, and he was thrown off my case because he wanted me to get my kids back. And the San Bernardino County, I guess, didn't agree with that, so they wrote him up, and they transferred him out. Um, till this day, I moved uh, to Northern California because I was told by someone that works for CPS to get the hell out of the county. I'm going to keep being harassed. And the worker that was handling my case before said that all the social workers would talk about me every day. All the women would act like they were in high school. They would go on jogs together, and they would just talk about me. They didn't want me to get my kids back. And I took parenting class twice. I took therapy twice. It's like, it's just ridiculous. And I'm just hoping that they don't, they're not able to keep doing this to other parents to make money off them. And I know they make money. They gave me gas cards and they put $60, but next to it, it said $300. So they're actually asking the state for $300 when they only actually give me $60. It's, it's just ridiculous. And I'm a taxpayer too. So, and I feel bad for these kids. You know, my kids did not come back normal. My kids, my daughter is five years old. She's been to four different schools. Um, she was in two foster homes. Um, I got five minutes a week to talk to my kids. I don't even know how, you're saying you're, you know, CPS is saying they're trying to get families back together. How is that keeping families back together if you only get five minute, you know, phone calls a week with your kids and you only get to see them two hours a week? And like I said, I didn't do anything wrong. The dad didn't even live there. 
it's it's just ridiculous and I'm, I, I want to sue San Bernardino County, so I'm hoping Mr. Davis can help me with that. Hey there. Well, you know what? I can, <laughs> I can definitely help you with that. And um, I want you to call me on Monday. because, Or call the office today and then make an appointment for us to talk on Monday. Um, you're in Northern California, so we can't easily meet. But um, I no. want to talk to you in detail about this case. Um, because I want to tell our listeners, we've talked before uh, in the last couple of mm-hmm. days, and the story you told is incredible. However, I have to say, and it's sad to say this, I'm not surprised. I mean, I've heard of things like yeah. this happening to people like yourself, and I hear it over and over and over, so I'm not surprised anymore. I'm shocked that it happened, but I'm just not surprised about it. So you call me, we'll get together, and we will get uh, a lawsuit filed uh, for you and your children uh, against the county and against the social workers, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you for calling and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm hoping this doesn't keep happening to other families. You know, it's like they're worse than the cops. You have to literally, like, kiss their butt to make sure you get your kids and nothing's black and white, you know, everything is a gray area with them. And like I said, right. the social worker that got written up, he, he couldn't even help me get my kids back because they didn't like how he was for me to get my kids back. He's so going to be a very important witness for us in the case. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. So I I, uh, had talked to this uh, mother uh, earlier in the week, and she wanted to come in and call in and share that story. Um, She was without her children for almost 18 months based upon some, what she says is fraudulent and bogus, trumped-up charges. And And the social worker who was initially signed to the case recommended that the children be returned. He was disciplined internally. And from what the story she told me, he left uh, the department, uh, the county where he was working, and he is now a social worker in another county in California. And hopefully he will be willing to testify and share, um, you know, what happened in this uh, mother's case. Um, And and to make matters worse, the mother is now discovering or now has discovered that her children may have been Uh, sexually molested while in foster care. And uh, no one has told her, the social workers, and the county hasn't informed her that this may have happened. Kind of a a nightmare for if you're a parent. We're going to take another call right now from area code 562, ending in 17. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. Attorney Vince Davis. Good morning. Yeah. Did you have a good morning? Story? Did you have a story to tell? Story to tell or a question? Yeah, I well, I have a story, kind of like a, a question. Um, I'm a loving father. I have a loving family, and I've been doing everything I can from day one. When they mostly, I mean, they just ripped the family apart. Um, it's been going on for almost two years now. This maybe two years. And I never got the six months, never got the 12 months, never the 18 months. And the hardest thing for me as a father and my wife is that everything the social worker writes is the gospel. And when someone reads it, it looks horrible. They never put in a report where it said the dad and mom went to a class and were very attentive or the dad and mom completed this task or the dad and mom. In fact, social services' main goal and I've talked to the top, has been to rip the family apart. And when you try to tell them they're doing something wrong, they rip you apart further. Um, they're on a bonus plans. Um, the social worker, we've gone to the three of them. The latest one we have is, is so, so, so bad. She's barely 25 or 23 year olds, not married, never have a family. And she's doing our, 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 our life. In fact, yesterday, I got uh, an email from her saying, oh, 
we need to come in and sign a new case plan. Now, that's one question I have for you is that do I have to come in and sign a ridiculous case plan that I don't agree to, that they're going to further entrap me because the social worker has a habit of when you meet with her to tell stories. Even my wife's attorney was suckered to believe so much in the paper writing, he couldn't see through it. He's a good attorney, don't get me wrong, but he was buffaloed, just like the commissioner is buffaloed. And it's just like this goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like I hadn't seen my daughter since May 7, 2015. You know what it is not to be able to hold your daughter, who we were so close that we went up to take care of my dad's belongings. And we came back so happy as a family, but she had a bullying problem. And, and then, then the nightmare started where they turned her against the father. And uh, they um, they make it so difficult because she does love me, but I've had no writing, nothing, not even a thing that she's alive, and she's the one that we created out of love, and they've been trying to drive her marriage apart. They twist things. They, they're so bad. Even the public defenders, I'm sorry to say, there's a malpractice, you know, when a public defender slips things in just so that she can get out of the case because, you know, they want to move on to the next case. It's like a, it's like a cattle and this is the Orange County system. It's a cattle thing. They rush people. We sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours. We show up 30 times and nothing ever happens. And then they come to the big point. Mediation. Oh, they want to settle. Well, I, you know, it's, yeah, sure, it's cheaper. You don't have to pay an attorney to fight your trial. But then again, you have all these issues, all these untruths. You read them so bad. I mean, they're just like, they're nightmarish. I mean, you know, and this was the only battle I had. You know, I could handle it. But, you know, I have seven other legal battles. I have, you know, all kinds of things. And it's all because of why. It's because of the money situation. You lose your job. You try to get a job. You try to get a job. You're so diligent. And you try to get a job. But at an old age, they don't like to hear about it. They don't think old people can have children. And so... Um, I don't consider this myself old, but uh, it's 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 like now I have to go meet with a social worker to talk about a new case plan. We only have one case plan. It was written back in September 2015, and that's the case plan we've been following. The social service hasn't fallen, fallen, fallen. In fact, they duped the mother. November 1st of last year, they did a 14 step for the mother. Start having visitations with the boys. They did nothing about it. They did nothing for three months, nothing. And now they're duping the mother, saying, oh, well, she may see the older son, you know, who could be emancipated this month. He's 17 and a half, and he could be free. Oh, he can start coming home on weekend visits. Well, this is ludicrous. There's a little 11-year-old boy that is going to be devastated. And, uh, well, the foster care family the notice up about several weeks ago, so there's only about 15 days left, so we don't know where the kids are going out. It would be more sensible to put the both boys back with the mother, like the November 1st, 14 steps said they were going to do, and have the boys live with the mother on a trial basis. I know we're trying to do baby steps. I know we're trying to do do that, but, you know, you know, Monday we got a big, big hoop draw. They want to put another restraining order on me. I mean, I'm so restrained. It's unbelievable. I have to stay 100 yards away from the kids. I have no contact except on a social service visit. I have a court order that says already November 1st that I can't go around the apartment. Now they wanted to put a third restraining order on me that's going to say, you will not see the boys in an apartment. This is getting all redundant. They're just on a witch hunt. And it's just very ludicrous. I... This definitely is a lawsuit for my civil rights, my wife's civil rights. They've tried to destroy our marriage. They've tried to take the family apart. They've lied to the children. Even even my son's new attorney, new attorney, he's probably mentioned, has twisted around saying stuff that I know is not true. I know my both of my boys love me. I know my daughter loves me deep, deep down the side, but she's been so convinced that her bullying problem was not the issue, it was a problem with mom and dad. And now she's canceled another visit with mom again. Mom is getting so point where her visitations with her daughter, she had only like four hours now. She was supposed to get 12, but she's down to four hours once a week. And now for the last two weeks in a row, my daughter doesn't even contact. The court orders say very clearly 
the children to contact the parents and tell them that they cannot make it, uh, they're still sick or have school or whatever it is. And again, she says her problem is homework. She has to homework. Well, that's fine. Mom has a phone, a smartphone that can work as a hotspot for the computer where they visit is the is visitation center in Anaheim, which is, which my son, my boy, it's, it's ludicrous. It's for little kids. It isn't for people that are 11 or, 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 you know, 17 or 14, but we go along with everything. We follow everything and we just, just put in all my inheritance from my mom and dad who worked all their life all their life to take care of me. Lucky they're still taking care of me. And I'm putting it all into nothing but just going up, being burned up in smoke. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, uh, we are a good family. We're good people. And uh, unfortunately, the financial uh, thing hit me. That was the thing that, that sunk the ship. I mean, if I had the money, I, I would have never been in the situation I'm in there. And that's where they take advantage of you. And, of course, to all your listeners, make sure you get a warrant. Make sure you don't tell them anything. Make sure you don't, uh, you get an attorney. I don't care if you've seen the public offense attorney because I got screwed because I was thinking that public, I've always been honest about things. I thought when you talk to the policeman or you talk to the social worker that they're your friend. They want to help you. But they don't. They're very deceitful. They lie and they lie, and they lie, and it just goes on and on. And the people that are not, let's say, too experienced or well-educated are getting taken advantage of. It's like I say, it's just, you know, it's like, it's terrible. And we, our family, we never do drugs. We don't have weapons. We don't have tattoos. We don't do piercing. We're not gangers. We're not doing anything. People like that in six months get their kids back. What are we? We're college-educated, and we were well-to-do uh, white, um, well, I'm going to look through this I can't say I'm white anyway, but, um, I'm just saying my skin's white. It doesn't look red. It should be red, but it's got other blood in there. But I feel that, uh, as a parent and my wife is, you know, with me every step of the way, she's been so supportive of all this. Um, yes, we did make some mistakes when they blew them up and blew them up a portion. And now with, this mediation, all those steps, all the stuff, everybody believes is the truth now. And it's so hard because then now you have to do the lawsuit. And yes, we will win the civil lawsuit, but that doesn't bring back the heartache, the love you have for your kids. It's, it's, I, I just, you know, it's just like we work so hard. So, you know, I, I don't know what we can do about, we have to deal with this, this, um, this restraining order. And then I had to meet with a social worker, which I was told not to meet with a social worker. Now she wants to sign a case plan. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. The tremendous, I mean, all you listeners out there, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 it's bad. It's really bad. The social service there. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to have you, Vincent. I pray to God that one day we'll see our, 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 our children in the normal biopsy. I don't want to lose my wife. You know, she's now put into the fact that, you know, that she's going to be, um, uh, you know, have to be apart from her husband now when the boys do get back, you know. And uh, that's pretty hard on the marriage. You know, we went to marriage counseling for months and months and months on our own initiative. On our own initiative. We did lots of things on our own initiative. I'm in their in-focus program that I'm not court-ordered to go to. And again, I accept everything they throw at me. And so for them to sit there or hear that commissioner who doesn't know us from Adam Reed report and say, oh, my goodness, look at all the bad things. Well, who wrote the storybook? The social worker. A 22-year-old, uh, she doesn't have a college degree, getting paid $15 an hour, you know, so that she can run our life. She really has that power. It's amazing. And they say that the director has all his little ponies and sisters and says, oh, we're here for family unification. We're here to help you. That is not the truth at all. He sits on top of a beautiful, beautiful, expensive building. All their money is for their lavishness. I imagine he's getting more than a six-figure. And so, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like you go around them and, you know, they get to go home to their kids. Anyway, Vincent, I don't want to take up time. I know you got Stephanie coming on, so um, I'll end it there. But I really like to know about 
you know, go to this case plan with the social worker. Um, my advice is not to meet with the social worker without the attorney, especially right. in a case like yours. Uh, listen, I want to thank you for calling and sharing with us and giving the words of your advice uh, to our listeners. Thank you, Vincent. God bless you. Okay, right now, I'm going to bring on the line with us Attorney Stephanie Davis. Ms. Davis, are you there? I am. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for being on the show with us, us this morning. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Um, I have been practicing or in the area of law for, I'm celebrating my 30th year this year. Um, went to Loyola Law School. Um, after law school, I worked very briefly a couple of years with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Then um, started a law firm that you mentioned, Davis and & Davis, and and then in um, 1997, I uh, received the opportunity to sit as a uh, referee uh, for Lo the Los Angeles County, and I <clears throat> did that in uh, delinquency court for 16 years, and um, in 2013, because of the budget crisis, I... Uh, those positions were eliminated, and I lost my job. And then uh, have came back to came to work for you in 2013, and that's what I've been doing since then, mainly in the area of um, juvenile dependency, delinquency, and appellate law. Stephanie, before you became a temporary judge in juvenile delinquency, uh, you were known as one of the top juvenile dependency appellate lawyers, and <clears throat> now that you're in private practice again, uh, you still have that same reputation. Do you have any any interesting cases that you're working on now? Um, yes, actually, um, there was a case um, with, uh, appellate case with uh, grandparents who had um, their grandchild living with them before um, before a dependency court, and the their daughter was also living with them as well. She had a um, uh, she had a drug problem, and um, they kept their grandson uh, because they were afraid of uh, that he would be harmed going out with his mother. So um, she ended up, I think, getting upset. Uh, with them, and uh, somehow CP, uh, CPS was called, and they came to the home, and instead of leaving the child in the home where he was with the grandparents, the, the child was removed, uh, and uh, it, they, he was removed because the home at the time didn't qualify as a, a foster home for a relative placement, and they... Um, the grandparents were misinformed, told the incorrect thing about um, the grandfather's qualifying for uh, a, having to qualify for a criminal waiver, which he did not have to qualify for, but the social worker told him he did, and he had to go, uh, went, he went through this whole process of trying to do a criminal waiver, and then uh, after we got on the case, they realized that social services realized that, that they didn't need a waiver. But by that time, um, I think almost 18 months had gone by where he wasn't in the house anymore. We tried to uh, have him return. There was a long uh, hearing in which uh, minors counsel was in favor of having um, the child return to the foster parents. I mean, I'm sorry, to the grandparents. And um, we lost that case, but um, the judge did not agree. And um, it, the, then the grandparents have appealed. And so we're waiting. We've done all the briefing, and we're just waiting for the opinion to be filed. And hopefully um, the court will see that 
through no fault, literally through no fault of their own, um, their grandchild has been kept from them um, based on uh, errors and omissions and misstatements of the law. So, is that um, is that child? Is their grandchild in a foster home who wants to adopt this child? Yes. Yes. Did those uh, foster parents appear in the case and with an attorney? They did not. They appeared in the case, not with an attorney, but they did file de facto parent motions, as did we. Uh, ours were denied, but theirs uh, were granted by the court. Is that is the denial of the de facto part of the appeal? Yes. You know, I, I remember um, going to a seminar on juvenile dependency law, um, and it was given by an expert uh, juvenile dependency attorney uh, from Northern California. Her name is Janet Sherwood. And, what, and I remember her talking about a case that said, um, you can get de facto parent status if you were a prior caretaker of a child, you didn't have to be a current caretaker of a child. And a lot of times, and I just lost one of these arguments in a courtroom recently, um, the judge and the attorneys argued, well, your client isn't the current caretaker of the child, therefore you do not have, or you should not get de facto status. And I'm thinking about this case, and I'm trying to argue this case, and it seems like nobody's listening to me, or nobody really believes me that that's the law in California. Is that the law? Well, not not only is that the law, I just had a very similar experience this week, where I presented the court with, I believe it was 10 to 12 pages of legal authority for de facto parent, what the, what the standard is that you're the criteria you're supposed to look at to see whether you qualify as a de facto parent there is case after case that says that the person does not have to be the current caretaker um, to qualify as a de facto parent they just have to have um, a significant amount of time have spent a significant amount of time with the child such that a um, a psychological parent-child bond has developed. Um, they have information um, that's unique to, uh, that, that's unique that they can provide to the court, um, that they have, um, they attend, regularly attend court hearings. That's one of the criteria that's looked at. Um, and um, so there's, there's actually five criteria. I think I'm missing one that I can't think of right now, but um, those are the, uh, there's a seminal case that explains what those, those the five criteria are. Um, and there, and like I said, there's other cases that say you specifically, you do not have to be the current caretaker. Um, but that is, that is what the courts and the, uh, opposing attorneys focus on. The other thing they focus on, um, is that the, 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 because you're a past uh, caretaker, you w wouldn't have current and relevant, um, unusual information about the child. Only that child's current caretaker would have that. But the facts uh, on a case-by-case -case basis prove that to be untrue all the time. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 like I said, I gave a 10-page 10, 10 points and authorities of what what the facto parent law was, and um, the, it, I will say the decision hasn't actually been made yet, but it, it does not, it's not looking good based on the, the questions and the statements that are allowed to be made by opposing counsel. So, so the, the judge hasn't made a decision yet? No, it was put off again for a third time uh, because, um, the uh, opposing counsel complained that they didn't have an opportunity to respond uh, to what to my uh, legal uh, arguments, which in fact they did. But the judge allowed the continue the case to um, allow them to uh, write a written response. 
I see, I see. Do you have any interesting trial cases that you're doing right now? Um, not that I can, not that I can think of offhand. Um, no, not, not, actually, not that I can think of offhand. You know, about a year ago, you won a case in the Court of Appeals for a parent whose whose family reunification services had been terminated. Uh, you represented that parent in the appeal, and you won. Tell us a little bit about that case you won in on the appeal. Um, it was um, it was a a writ which which um, after reunification services are terminated, and the court sets a two six hearing, the appellate remedy is by writ, which means it's a sped up process, basically a sped up process from an appeal. And the uh, briefing and everything has to be done before um, the 2-6 hearing. So it's a, it's an expedited appellate process. Um, so the, the um, mother had, it took her a while to um, get herself together. She had a, a drug problem and she was dealing with it and she was doing very well with it. Um, she was testing negative, uh, visiting her her child all the time, um, but she didn't have uh, housing. She didn't have a place to live. She was going from from friend to friend, um, and so um, at the 18 month date, um, we didn't represent her at the time. And at the 18 month date, the court terminated. Uh, reunification services and set the, the um, six month, the two six date, and she um, actually filed the notice um, notice of intent and then hired us to do the writ. And so I did the writ, arguing um, that she had not been provided with reasonable reunification services because the um, social services agency had not assisted her in finding housing and providing her with housing. And I argued other things as well about the reunification services, but that was what um, the Court of Appeal uh, decided was, the, um, was correct, my, the correct argument that because they had not um, attempted to help her with housing, um, they had not provided her with re reasonable reunification services. Uh, and so the matter was, um, was returned back to the um, state court to the trial court and the 2-6 the termination of her parental rights hearing was taken off calendar and she was given um, she was given additional reunification services so at the time that happens you basically stopped the possible adoption of her child at that time yes very good very good you know, while you're on the phone, I'm going to take a call from area code 661, ending in 55, and maybe they have a story to share or a question to ask you, Stephanie. Okay. Good morning. Good morning, Vince. How are you? Good. Did you have a question to ask or a story to share? I have a story to share. Um, about uh, 20 years ago, I was involved with a very close friend of mine who adopted her three um, paternal grandchildren. Um, she, uh, those children's parents had a serious history of drug use and crime and criminal activity. And uh, there were, oh, at least uh, 20 to 30 open CPS cases uh, throughout a five-year period. Um, she eventually was able to adopt them as her own, and then she stuck them to cancer. And the children were placed in various foster care for a while. Um, uh, the ages at the time were um, uh, uh, 6, 14, and 15. Um, because of my close association with her, um, the two boys at the time, 14 and 15, um, were 
to me without any uh, formal documentation or, or kinship or what have you, more of a caregiver status. Um, the younger one went to live after me. I just couldn't take care of both of them at the time um, with another family. Um, and then uh, basically uh, bingoed back to me about a year later, and I kept them both until they reached the age of, uh, of uh, legal age, 18. The older of the child children um, uh, was never a problem, never got involved in drugs or alcohol or crime. He had the typical teenage uh, malfeasance of, uh, you know, staying out late and pushing limits and boundaries, but never really had a problem with him. I should say that all three children were born drug-exposed um, and had various incidences of OCD and ODD and and depression and were put on medication. Um, when I got the two boys, um, uh, there was no further medication needed. Um, they took themselves, I guess, off and, and there was no orders to, to, to have them back on. The older one, um, who at this point is now 18, was 18, um, decided that he didn't want to go to high school anymore. He wanted to marry his 15-year-old high school sweetheart and got her pregnant. They had a baby boy. Um, they uh, moved to uh, an undesirable location in, in Kern County, got into uh, drugs and crime and more crime to support their drug use. The child uh, at the time uh, was one and a half, two years old, uh, was being neglected and, and abused uh, to the point where CPS opened several investigations. Um, about uh, a year later, I got a phone call from the mobile home park manager saying that um, the child, now three, had been found wandering in the desert being chased by coyotes, uh, crying. And what had happened was his mother had left the house early to score whatever it is, I guess heroin at the time, and the baby followed and got mis uh, misplaced from her. and. Uh, Thankfully, someone was waking up uh, and saw this happening and, and called the police, and the park manager called me. Um, park manager gave CPS my name and number because I was listed as, for some reason, uh, uh, the grandparent. And she asked me, would I be interested in taking this child? And I said, yes, of course. And uh, I was living in Santa Clarita, and she told me I needed to come to Bakersfield to pick him up. And I didn't know where Bakersfield was, so it was hard. Um, fast forward now, uh, the child's three. Um, mommy showed back up, came to live with us for a while. Uh, she'd say, hey, I'm going out to get a pack of cigarettes, and she'd be gone two or three days. Those two or three days turned into two or three months, and the CPS social worker suggested I apply for legal guardianship. Um, I did so and was granted legal guardianship in May of 2013. Um, and I had the child up until uh, November of last year. Um, the father uh, made some serious allegations against me of sexual abuse when he was a child and recanted those allegations under oath in a court of law as well as to a series of social workers and attorneys and a, the probate court judge that gave me the guardianship. Um, even though he recanted those allegations several times, they still removed um, the child who is now seven from me. And uh, um, are, we are currently, with your help and your law firm, um, and thank God for, for you guys. I, I would never have been able to navigate the system. We're in court, and I'm hopeful that I'll get him back. In the meantime, um, it's been an endless, almost Gestapo persecution by social workers, lies and innuendos, and, and I, I can't begin to explain the emotional trauma that not only I'm experiencing on a, on a daily, if not hourly basis, um, but that the child is feeling the, the, the fact that I maintain educational rights and, and I'm able to see him twice a week for a couple of hours and I'm getting phone calls with him uh, for 
20 minutes every night that they have tried to change. Sometimes I don't get the phone call. Sometimes the visits um, I'm yelled at and 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 threatened. It, it's just never ending, and it, it for no basis. I was monitored by DCFS as a foster parent caregiver for the last five years with this child without a hiccup, without any type of, of issue. Um, I was actually facilitating visits between the birth parents and the child because they really didn't want to take care of his needs. Um, he was more of a possession, I should say. And I lost a lot of his immediate family support that I once had. Um, and I went through the same thing seven years before when I had the father and the father's brother. So now we're, we're in court um, and we're, we're fighting. Um, I continue to have uh, hiccups with uh, the social worker um, and the caregiver. It should also be known that the current caregiver was the one-time legal guardian of the paternal aunt who had a, a minor's criminal record for child abuse and just got off probation. The original WIC report um, from the CPS worker stated, matter-of-factly, because of the seriousness of her crime, the child should not be placed anywhere near her. Um, she finished her probation, and uh, the person got custody, and she's living in the house with her, her nephew. So he's having some very serious issues at school, transitioning. He was in a very a smaller school, a charter school, and doing very well. Now he's, I'm getting reports that he's acting out. He's causing trauma to himself. He's not going along with the program every time I... I see him, he's complaining about the school or how he's treated. Um, I got a report yesterday that the caregiver refused to give him food because he did that at school. So it's, it's, and it's hearsay at this point. Um, I, I finally took the advice of, of my attorney, Mr. Davis, and stopped all contact with the social worker. And um, they have to contact their county council and county council contacts your office. and. It's actually become retaliatory now. Um, they, instead of contacting me directly, they contact me through the caregiver. And the caregiver sends me emails, or the caregiver is now telling me what I can and cannot talk to my child about on the phone. And I have a visit later on this afternoon, and I dread every visit. I want to see him. I want to spend time with him, but something always happens. It's you can't say this, or you can't do this, or you can't hug him. Um, I'm being treated as if I'm a sexual predator, and I'm not being accused of any malfeasance against this child. I'm being accused of a past um, sexual abuse of the father, who is now 26 years old, and who has recanted those allegations. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. So the problems I'm having now is just the waiting and, and um, having to deal with the, the, the um, attitude and behavior of the social worker and, and the caregiver and being told that you're never going to get him back and the legal fees are, are expenses, uh, expensive to, to do. So I'm, I'm doing the best I can and trying to keep my emotions in check I recently started going to a psychologist for anxiety, and I've gone to some church recovery-type groups. I should say that I've never had any chemical or drug dependency. Uh, my problem is anxiety, uh, and I'm a little emotional. Um, my, my question now is, how long do you think it will continue, and, and, and uh, um, is there anything else that I need to do to maintain my composure for the best interest of my child. Well, I think you're doing what you need to do by going to the individual counseling to deal with the stress and the frustration and the anxieties. So continue to do that. <clears throat> and as I told you before, we're going to have to get copies of the probate file and the probate transcript. Um, because we're in the middle of your trial and I think the judge believes doesn't doesn't know if to believe that the father has recanted these allegations in another court of law. 
And I believe that if he sees that evidence, that the father had made the same allegation that has recanted them under penalty of perjury, testifying in another court of law in Los Angeles County, I believe we're going to win hands down. Listen, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story. I, I, I really appreciate that. I know it's very difficult. Um, you know, it's a very difficult situation for you and your family. But I do want to thank you for sharing thank this you. with our listeners. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Stephanie, that's a very difficult case, as you know. I know you know a little bit about the case, uh, but very difficult. And it's becoming very time-consuming because the social workers, for whatever reason, believe the the father, who has multiple convictions, even for theft and um, things that would impugn his credibility, And for them to try to ignore or hide the fact that the father has previously testified that those accusations are not true, it's almost unbelievable. It is. Uh, I am very familiar with his story and his situation. And um, this is a a perfect example of how children um, can get destroyed in the system because this little boy did not was not harmed, neglected, abused in any way, and he is now because of the untruths of his father has now been swept in the system, and he is suffering. I, his his um, behavior is speaking volumes about what's going on with him, and uh, nobody's listening. and And I'm hoping that. Um, you will be able i think the strategy that you have is uh is right on point and um i don't know how it can be ignored either when uh when it's brought to the court's attention that he he has lied under oath uh and not only lied under oath but recanted that story multiple times to multiple people who are willing to testify about that You know, um, the social workers have tried to sweep that under the rug, and we're in the middle of the trial, and the judge stopped the trial and told us he wants to see those records. Because at first, I don't think he really believed that this was true, that this father had previously testified and said these allegations weren't true under oath. The father testified in this trial that he never testified in another case and that he never recanted those allegations. So having heard that testimony, having read the reports of it being swept under the rug by the social worker, the judge is thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, um, Davis must be crazy. But then I put our client on the stand who says, yeah, there was a full trial. The guy testified, blah, blah, blah. And so now the judge is looking at me thinking, well, if there was a full trial and this was already adjudicated, why are we here? And why is the social worker? Why are we here? Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So he stopped the the judge stopped the trial and ordered that these records be uh, obtained. You know, I want to tell you something because well, um, we just have a few minutes left. I I had a conversation with an not today, I mean yesterday, and she told me that a social worker confessed her that her child was detained. Because during the pre-investigation, they found out that I represented the mother and that because of the county council's, this particular county council, dislike for me that they detained the child to get. We went to court on the detention hearing and the judge sent the child back to the mother. And the social worker allegedly confesses to the mother that it was all a bullshit case and that basically it was retaliation because I don't like to cooperate with the Department of Children and Family Services. Can you imagine something like that yeah. happening? Yeah. You Well, you said earlier you're not surprised, but or you're surprised, but you can imagine things happening. That's the same way. Yes. I feel, you know, every time somebody tells me a story uh, similar to that, it, it, I feel like I've been pushed back for a second in the reality. Can this really be true? But then I realize 
you if you can't keep hearing the same stories over and over again and and them not be true that many people from different agencies from different locations different people different social workers they can't all be in a conspiracy of of withholding evidence or withholding information about the truth it, it, this consistency in the statements that people say uh lead me to believe that the things are true stephanie i want to thank you for joining us this weekend uh on this show we have run out of time hope to have you back as a guest in the future okay you're quite welcome thank you everyone have a enjoy your weekend we'll see you next week on the radio bye-bye